ever wonder, what are we doing here Sunday morning? I mean, it's so hard to get here. Kids are stressful in the morning. You get out the door, your boy's got one white sock on, one blue sock. Your girl's got grape jelly in her pigtails, you know, stuff like this in the video. I mean, what are we, what are we doing here? Or you were out all day yesterday mowing the yard, lifting up those grandkids, and now you're sore this morning. You got to rub that Bengay ointment on your knees this morning. And what are we doing? Or you were out late last night with friends. The alarm went off this morning. You just didn't want to get up. Time for church. Ugh. Or maybe it's your first time here this morning. You kind of sneaked in, snuck in. I don't know what the word is. <laughs> We're off to a good start. <laughs> yeah, but you're here. You think you might slip out before anybody has one of those awkward conversations with you about, oh, what's your name? Where are you from? You're not really sure what you're doing here. What are we doing here? I mean, have you seen what's going on in this world? You got hurricanes in Houston down there along the coast. And then, of course, like Jay's mentioned in Florida right now as we speak, you got an earthquake down in Mexico. And I mean, we're here in this dry building. What are we doing here? And tomorrow is September 11th. I mean, can you believe it's been 16 years since those terrorist attacks? 16 years? And those weren't weren't the end of terrorism. It was like the start of it, right? I mean, it's just, it's odd to go through a week these days and not hear about some attack somewhere. And it's not just planes or guns or bombs. I mean, people are taking vans and running over other people. Can you believe it? And what are we, what are we doing here? You got murder on the news. You got schools that are underfunded. You got inequality and anger and protests and counter protests. I mean, what are we doing here? If you're not a believer, then I think even you would look at the world and say, this world has gone crazy. And if you're a believer, though, you look at that same world and like me, you probably think, you wonder to yourself, Will Satan ever be stopped? I mean, really stopped, right? Because even the New Testament authors wondered about that. In 1 Timothy, Satan is setting traps, and I presume he's still doing that today. In 2 Corinthians, he's masking about, he's masquerading, he's... In the same book, he's a, a thorn in the flesh. He's a tormentor. He's preventing good in 1 Thessalonians. And in 2 Thessalonians, he is deceiving us all. And if that's true, right, if there are actually cosmic forces that are bending this world into something terrible and sad and awful and tragic, what are we doing here? What are we doing here? You know, it's in moments like this sometimes during the week where I'll uh, get out my church directory just to flip through it, say a couple prayers because the odds seem so stacked against us. And when I do flip through that church directory, I come across the picture of Dan and Connie Massey. You know Dan and Connie Massey? Connie, she's some kind of saint, right? Not because she's married to Dan. Why would you 
immediately think that. <laughs> Connie's some kind of saint. You know, Connie can cook. That woman can cook. She had Lindsay and I over back before we had kids and we could do things like that. And she had us over and she taught Lindsay to make this chocolate pie. Mmm, the crust on that thing. Mmm, so good. Connie, she can cook. You may not know this about Connie, but I actually see Connie every week, middle of the week. I think it's maybe Tuesdays or Thursdays. And she's out in our commons area. We've got this kind of this dinner table out there. I see her every week out there with this woman. And this woman, English is her second or third language. And Connie and her just sit there together with Bibles open in front of them, reading the Bible together and studying it. It's an amazing thing. I think they got connected during, during Friend Speak, which is our ministry to teach English to those using the Bible for whom English is a second language. But they just, they just have kind of kept at it every week. I see her out there in the commons just reading the Bible with that woman. Connie, she's something. Connie is. If I keep flipping through the old uh, church directory, I come across the picture of Chad Burris. Do you know Chad Burris? Chad, Chad's a young dad here at Highland. Good guy. Got this really beautiful family. You know, Chad loves baseball. Loves baseball. Except like most of us, he didn't go professional. So all that money and time his parents invested really paid off because now he plays church softball. Church softball. <laughs> In fact, Chad organizes our two church softball teams, which is a great ministry because I'll tell you, if you want to see a bunch of grown Christian men act like pagans, you should play church softball, right? I mean, there's, there's something about church softball that turns like serious disciples of Jesus into something like my two-year-old, right? I mean, it's embarrassing, but you know, I filled in for them a couple times out there on the Highland team and maybe our guys were just on their best behavior because one of the preachers was there, but it was... It was kind of different with our guys. I mean, I remember our shortstop, we were out in the field and some guy had a home run off of us on the other team. I'll never forget our shortstop as that guy ran by, patted him on the butt, which in softball is okay. You know, it's the one place where it's okay for a guy to do that to another guy. And I'll never, he said, great hit, man. I just, I was taken back by that. It just hit a home run off of us. You know, there's this group of guys who play on the uh, church softball team here at Highland and they sit together every week here in the Life Center. And I see them together. It's just kind of a funny thing because church softball has brought together these guys and their families who I don't think would be together otherwise. And they get together outside of church, outside of church softball. And I'm just sure that if something happened to any one of those guys, the rest of those guys would be there for them. I mean, church softball, who'd have thought that? Chad is onto something, I guess. And then there's the Shelbys. Do you know the Shelbys, Kevin, Melissa, Shelby? There's something. They uh, have three kids of their own, but about a year ago, they started being foster parents. And their first child was this little boy, brand new baby boy, sweet little boy. But he was born addicted. His mother was addicted to drugs. And so he spent the first few weeks of his life down at the NICU at Labonte being weaned off those drugs. Any doctor or nurse will tell you that that is a really difficult process and that those babies cry a lot. And this little boy is sweet as he could be, except when he was crying, which was all the time. I don't think Kevin and Melissa slept more than an hour the whole 
time they had that baby with them at night. I mean, just cried all the time. But they've, like I said, they've got these three little kids of their own and those kids would just dote on that baby boy. I mean, I would see their eight-year-old daughter holding him during church on Sunday morning, trying to soothe him and keep him from crying. Eight years old, homeless little baby boy, beautiful thing. Kevin and Melissa, they're just one of the foster parents of this church. It's really special to be at a church where others are taking care of kids who can't take care of themselves. And a couple months ago, that little boy went to live with his forever family, as you call it. He's got a, a biological sister who's been adopted by another family out of state, and that family wanted to adopt him as well so the siblings could be together and grow up together. It was a really beautiful thing, but it was hard for the Shelbys to send him away. Kevin told me that when they did, when they sent him away, their little eight-year-old daughter was just crying. And she looked at her dad and she said, Daddy, why does it hurt so bad? What do you say? I like what Kevin said. He looked at her and he said, Honey, it's because you loved him so well. So well. The Shelbys, they're something. They are something. Uh, do you know Jeff Atnip? Anybody know Jeff Atnip? Man, that guy can paint. He paints these amazing watercolors. I mean, he has got a gift. He really does, Jeff Atnip. It's really neat to see those things. You may not know about Jeff. He leads a Bible study every week down at FedEx. He works down there at FedEx. He leads this Bible study for anybody who wants to come. They just read through the Bible together. There's Jeff down there at FedEx. I think about what John said of Jesus about being a light in the darkness. And I don't think FedEx is the darkness necessarily, right? But Jeff down there studying the Bible with those folks, man, that's something, isn't it? Uh, you know Pat Wallman? Anybody know Pat Wallman? Pat was on the uh, search committee that brought me to Highland. And I'll tell you, nobody on that search committee scared me like Pat Wallman. <laughs> Pat has this way of just kind of peering into your soul and getting past all the baloney and getting to the real meat of the thing. She asked me some questions that just scared me to death. So I knew when I had convinced Pat I was right for the job that I had the job because our elders were not gonna tell Pat Wallman, no. And, um, You've probably seen Pat because almost every Sunday, Pat is out at the Welcome Center, those little tables out there, greeting you as you walk in. If you've been a guest in the last few years, you probably were greeted by Pat. She's always got this smile on her face when she says hello as you walk in. And you may remember that up until recently, her husband Bud was always beside her out there for years. Uh, you may not remember, unless you've been here for a long time, that years ago, Bud was a bit of a rascal. He didn't, he didn't come to church with Pat, but he had this wife and Pat who just really loved her church in ways that he could not understand until one day he did understand. And then he never missed another Sunday, and he'd be out there with her, and he'd say, oh, welcome to Highland, and he'd talk to you about fishing and NASCAR and oh let me tell you about our children's ministry do we have some children's ministers I mean he'd say that was Bud and we lost Bud a while back but Pat's still out there in the welcome center still greeting still greeting she's something that Pat and yeah you know uh, Marty Hosford do you know Marty Marty Hosford 
He goes out to uh, Shelby County Correction Center, the penal farm, as we used to call it. And he's a faith encourager out there for guys who are locked up. He does that with Hope Works. He's been doing it for a long time, goes out there. And the thing about Marty is he's not a big man. He's, he's not a big man. And prison's a scary place. It seems like everybody is ginormous in prison, right? They're just big and they're scary. And Marty doesn't care. He just keeps going out there encouraging guys and their faith. And you know Ken Gardner, you know Ken Ken uh, goes out to Whiteville Prison about 45 minutes from here. Goes out there every Sunday morning and he preaches and leads worship out there at Whiteville, which is almost as bad as me leading worship, right? I mean, he goes out there though every week though and he leads worship for these guys. He preaches to them and he gets back to Highland in time to pass out communion and connection service. He never misses that, right? He's always there. Marty and Ken, there's something. And you know Marva Johnson? You probably know Marva. She's here early every Sunday morning, always folding links and helping us to pass those out. Marva, she's something. You, you may not know Marva's an elementary school principal in Bartlett. She's a principal for 830 kids. And she told me just a few weeks ago that they had this plan to march 830 elementary kids outside, put 830 pairs of solar eclipse glasses on them, and at one time, ask 830 kids to turn around and look up, which to me sounded like a nightmare. Uh, I, but I did kind of get a kick out of imagining sweet Marvin Johnson yelling, we have reached totality, right? I don't know if she said that, but I like to believe she did. You know, um, you may not know this about Marva, but Marva goes to Le Bonner down to the NICU every Saturday morning. And she wakes up when it's still dark so she can check in there by 5.30 a.m. on Saturday mornings after working all week at the elementary school. And she walks those floors in the NICU and she's been doing this for years there at Le Bonner. And so many of those babies don't have parents who can be there all the time around the clock. So there's these brand new babies, the sickest babies in the hospital who are just laying there attached to IVs and monitors. So she just makes the rounds and she holds them and she sings to them and she reads them stories and they don't know what she's reading, but they just cuddle up next to her and listen. You know, Marva was walking out the other day, checking out from volunteering and this other woman was checking in. And Marva felt like she recognized the woman, but she wasn't sure about it. And the woman said, Marva Johnson. And Marva said, hi. And she said, you, you probably don't remember me, but a couple of years ago, I had a child here in the NICU and you would come around every weekend and hold my baby. And so I decided, well, I can do that too. And my baby's healthy and well now, Marva, but every Saturday I come up here and I hold babies like you. Uh, Marva Johnson, she's something. Kind of feels like as I go through those names, just flipping through the church directory, right? And sometimes I do that from time to time. And after I do that, I feel a little bit better, right? I still wonder about that question, what are we doing here? But I feel a little bit better, even though I don't have a good answer to that question. So I sit down in the church directory and I pick up my Bible. And when I do, I pick it up to Romans 16. And when you look at it, it's kind of boring. It's this list of names, names of people we don't know. 
But in a way, it's kind of like Paul's picked up the church directory of the Roman church, right? And he's just flipping through it. And it is a little bit boring because we don't know those people, but he knows them really well. And so for him, it's not boring at all. You know, these are people that he has set by in church, not here in Rome, but in other places. And all these people he loves have come together into one place. And so as he flips through that directory, he just kind of speaks to himself, kind of talks out loud. He says, I commend to you our sister Phoebe. She's a deacon of the church in Sincre. And I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of his people and to give her any help she may need from you for she's been the benefactor of many people, including me. Great Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in Christ Jesus, they risked their lives for me. Not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them and greet also the church that meets in their house. Greet my dear friend Epinetus, who was the first convert to Christ in the province of Asia. Greet Mary, who worked very hard for you. Greet Andronicus and Junia, my fellow Jews who've been in prison with me. They are outstanding among the apostles. And they were in Christ before I was. And greet Apelles, whose fidelity to Christ has stood the test. And greet Tryphena and Trophosa, those women who work hard in the Lord. And greet Rufus, who's chosen in the Lord, and his mother, who's been a mother to me too. And greet one another with a holy kiss. And all the churches of Christ send their greetings. And everyone has heard about your obedience. And so I rejoice because of you, because I want you to be wise about what is good, innocent about what is evil. And the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. That last thing he says there, well, it's something, isn't it? The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Huh. This is the only thing Paul says about Satan in this, his longest letter, the longest letter, this letter to the church in Rome. The only thing he says about Satan the whole time, and when he says it, is after he's flipped through that church directory and set it down. It's right after that that he feels like he needs to say just one very simple thing about Satan, and not some joke about Satan lurking on the back row, right? One simple thing, Satan is doomed. Reminds me of what Martin Luther said, who had his own battles with Satan. He said, his rage we can endure, for lo, his doom is sure. We know from Colossians 2 that indeed, Satan has been disarmed. He can rage against us, but he can't condemn us. We know from 1 Corinthians 15 that Jesus will reign until all things, all the principalities and powers, Satan among them, are placed under Jesus' feet. And he crushes them once and for all. But there's something about flipping through the church directory that causes Paul to say something just a little bit different than he has said before about the doom of Satan. Right. In fact, when you read it and you hear what he says about feet, you think he's quoting that passage from 1 Corinthians 15. Only here, it is not Jesus' feet that are crushing Satan. It's your feet. It's our feet. The feet of all those in that church directory. The feet of the people sitting next to you this morning. 
the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Hmm. You know, I, I know you wonder what you're doing here. And sometimes I wonder that too, which is not a great thing for a preacher to wonder. But the world's going crazy out there, isn't it? I mean, what are we doing here? Maybe that's the wrong question, though. Maybe the question isn't, what are we doing here? The question is, what is God doing here? And really, the question is, what is God doing here through us? And the answer, well, and Connie and Chad and Pat and Marva and Jeff and Ken and Marty, I mean, the answer in you is simple but quite beautiful. The God of peace is crushing Satan under your feet. That's what you're doing here. And so I hope you come back next week because it's worth it. It really is. If you want to become part of this church, if you want to become part of God's church, his body and baptism today, I'd love to receive you down here. Pray with you if you've got a prayer request or baptize you if you'd like to take that step. Our elders will be in the back if you'd like prayers from them. Let's stand and worship together. We shall assemble on the mountain.